You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host David Drogmeyer and on today's show, John Kegley, one of the original founding members of the show. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Before we get started, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome into all of our new listeners. We really appreciate you guys checking out the show today. Definitely have a fun show planned for you. And a special thank you to all of our loyal listeners today who tuned in, too. We have some things to talk about because we did get to hear from the for the first time from new offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi. And he opened up about a bunch of different things. Talked a little bit about his offensive philosophy, how he plans on grooming Justin Herbert, what his plans are for being aggressive and, you know, raising the tempo for the team, going forward on fourth down. He covered a lot of different things that we're going to get into in the first two segments. What stood out most to us about his first press conference and obviously, you know, reading through all of the coach speak and things like that. But to wrap up the show, we actually have something special for you guys. This is something that is near and dear to us. And that is a Kobe Bryant tribute as we're recording this. It's the one year anniversary of Kobe Bryant's tragic death. So at the end of the show, we have a very special segment that comes from the Rejecting the Screen podcast with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, who are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And what they're going to do is going to be basically giving you some unheard stories from Kobe and paying a little tribute to him as a Los Angeles Chargers podcast. And, you know, as a team here that, you know, rooted for Kobe Bryant, I know me and John are both big Laker fans and Kobe meant a lot to us. So we thought that'd be a little special thing for you guys on today's episode. Understand it's not going to be for everyone, but to us, it's a very you know special day and, and definitely a day to kind of reflect on the greatness of Kobe Bryant. So we will talk about that a little bit at the end of the show as well. But let's go ahead and get into it. All right, guys, so we finally got to hear from Joe Lombardi, the Chargers' new offensive coordinator, who, you know, unlike some different offense coordinator positions, his comes with a little bit of extra stress, I would say, just because for him, he is going under a defensive-minded head coach. So the offense, if it doesn't work out, it's going to be him to blame. And the other part of it is, is he's coming into such a unique situation where he has a young superstar quarterback in Justin Herbert and some very talented skill position players. So it's like, if you can't make it work with these guys, what are you really worth? You know. So I do think it was a very interesting job in that sense and one that he's going to have a lot of pressure on. And I think... What the fans want the most, David, is that him not to be, you know, as bad as he was as the offensive coordinator for the Lions for a season and a half. And obviously, that was a long time ago. At this point, you know, we're talking 2014, 2015. But at the same time, I did think it was a relevant question when they asked him what the differences were, you know, this time around, as opposed to when he was with the Lions. And what he really had to say was just being able to adjust and not and being more flexible is what I should say. But I do understand that kind of David because he was a guy that spent, you know, pretty much his entire NFL coaching career with the New Orleans Saints, either as an offensive assistant or as the quarterback's coach. And when you see something like that 
happen the same way every day under the same head coach and Sean Payton. And then you go out into the real world, you know, for the first time in this sense. And then, you know, people don't always do it that way. So I think I believe him when he says, you know, this time around, it could be different just because the fact that he's going to be more flexible with what other coaches want. Well, and Daniel, I think it's pretty clear. I mean, at least to me, we learn more from our failures than we do from our successes. And I think, you know, I think it might be a bit harsh to say it was a failure, but he did not have a lot of success as an offensive coordinator for the Lions. But he did say, he's like, hey, I got used to the routines. I got used to how things were run in New Orleans. So when I went out, out there, I just I wasn't able to adjust or adapt as well as I, I, I could have or as well as I should. And that's experience. I think that experience is only going to make him a better offensive coordinator that he was able to go out to another organization and get some experience. And also, I think it's very helpful that he has already a, a relationship with Brandon Staley. So there shouldn't be too much turnover. He already knows how Brandon Staley thinks and what his vision is and you know, they've worked together before. I think that's very important and very valuable for Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator now of the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course, I think he would probably say himself that it was a failure because he didn't, you know, even last the two seasons. But I do think there is, you know, a big learning curve that he learned that he would have to deal with, you know, being at that position in the NFL. If you don't produce right away, you're going to be out of there. And that's just kind of how things go. So it's going to be different this time because it's a different team. It's a completely different situation here with the Chargers. And then one of the other things that really, you know, stood out as far as what people were talking about on social media was the fact that during his press conference, he was talking about a saying that he was taught once. He said he had a high school coach that told him one time, you pass to score and you run to win. And I think a lot of people, you know, even in the comments, you could already see people, John, saying like, oh my God, here we go, Anthony Lynn 2.0. The Chargers aren't going to put the ball in Justin Herbert's hands. All this stuff. And then people were saying, oh, it's out of context and all of those things. And at the end of it, he had said, you know, well, it's appropriate, we'll let Justin throw the ball. Something to that extent, right? And even when he said that, he was kind of smiling as if kind of just say like, yeah, of course we're going to let Justin Herbert throw the ball all the time. He's our best offensive player, you know, and he did that kind of as a rookie. But what he what does make sense though, John, is there are times that you'd have to be able to run the ball. And what he talked about is when you're in the red zone, if you get pass happy, it makes things so much easier for the opposing defense. And at the end of the game, when you're trying to win the game, being able to run the ball in those moments is incredibly important. So I didn't take too much stock into, you know, people freaking out and thinking that Joe Lombardi is just gonna come in here and get downhill and run the rock forty times a game. Yeah, it's it's a big overreaction for sure. And there's a lot of things people don't realize when it comes to game planning and situations and stuff. Like if you're the Chiefs, for example, you have Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. You should throw the ball almost every single play. But a lot of teams, when they come out to play you, at least the teams that know what they're doing, are going to start out playing soft zone coverage to try to keep you from beating them deep and getting all the big plays. How do you beat that? You run the ball. They're leaving the run game open. There's not a, a bunch of guys waiting at the line of scrimmage to tackle the running back. They're waiting for Tyreek Hill and those guys. So running the ball might just be your best option sometimes just because of the way a team plays you. If you got Justin Herbert, they want to take away the pass sometimes, so you might have to run the ball a lot. It's really just game planning. There's no really formula. I know that's a good quote that Lombardi used, but it's not even really an appropriate quote. It's really good teams do what they need to do to win. They adjust to the game. Anybody who looks at that quote and goes, oh, they know what they're doing, 
you're still overreacting. It's going to be, how does this game plan work? Does Staley come up with a good plan? And does Lombardi call the plays right? Because Anthony Lynn tried to run the ball when we were winning at the end of games. And what do we do? We end up punting the ball and losing the games. Like, There's no real formula to this. Well, I mean, I think what you're looking for more from him is honestly just, hey, well, guess what? If the run isn't effective, it's if it's not working out, if we're setting yourselves up in, you know, second and nine or second and 11 consistently, that you're not just going to run the ball just to run the ball, right? You want to run the ball and have it be effective, set up play action, make it easier to throw the ball. And what he's saying is just that when you're throwing the ball all of the time, it makes it harder to throw because they know it's coming. So I think it is all situational. And he talked about that too. But one of the other things that, you you know, comes from being in New Orleans for so long is how much and how closely he worked with quarterback Drew Brees, who obviously Charger fans are familiar with. And obviously one of the things that was at the top of a lot of reporters' minds is how are you going to groom Justin Herbert and develop Justin Herbert? And he talked a lot about Drew Brees in that sense because he just talked about when he was with Drew Brees, he got to see how you were supposed to prepare as a quarterback at that level, being one of the all-time greats. And just saying how detailed Drew Brees was and all the things that he did really well, just whether it was you know technique or whether it was just the body language and communication that he had with his receivers and always being able to communicate to them where they're supposed to be at what time. And he said all of those things are coachable. Those are things that he can show Justin Herbert. And Herbert has already shown an excellent work ethic, you know, being one of the first guys in the gym, lifting with the rest of the guys and all of those things. So I do think, David, that is one of the big benefits to getting someone like Lombardi is he's seen somebody go through and be a, a great, you know, legendary NFL quarterback in Drew Brees. And that's, you know, some of the preparation and attention to detail that he can show Justin Herbert. Yeah, I mean, he even said that uh, Drew Brees is like a, a little bit controlling on that aspect. And he's like, oh, no, I, I don't want to say controlling. That has a negative connotation. He just has an extreme attention to detail, which is fine. And that's what you need to be great. I mean, uh, anything that you do, you, ha- you want to make sure that you know, you put in the work. Obviously, you're meticulous about what you do, but you're extremely detail-oriented. You want to make sure you hammer the little things and get all that work done in practice. So when you go out there in the games, you already know what to do. And and they also spoke, I mean, and Brandon Staley has said this as well, as the quarterback has so much responsibility and it has so many different things that they have to do, who they have to communicate with, what they have to do on a just daily basis. You're you're controlling pretty much the entire team. So, yeah, a young rookie quarterback. And, I mean, who else better to learn from than Drew Brees and all that pedigree and a guy that's going to be in Canton with a bust that's definitely a great teacher. And of course you marry that with the rest of Mike Lombardi's experience. And I mean, Hey, (laughs) the guy's got a legendary name. So I'm sure he's, his uh, family has taught him a a thing or two as well. Yeah. One of the things I thought was interesting too, is just the fact that he has actually never, you know, met his grandfather, uh, obviously who the Super Bowl trophy is named after. So I thought that that was pretty interesting too, just knowing that he actually never got to meet him, but I did like a lot of the things he had to say and understand that he still has to go, prove it on the field and there was much more to it as well we're going to get into just what he thinks about the Chargers changing the pace offensively and getting some tempo and no huddle into the offense trying to protect an offensive line when it's not great and how the team could try to use somebody like Taysom Hill or who the Chargers Taysom Hill is so we're going to get into all the rest of Joe Lombardi's press conference coming up right after this 
First, I need to tell you guys, you are one of a kind and so are your taxes. And that's why TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you, learn about your unique tax situation and help you get the best tax outcome. Maybe you're moonlighting as a rideshare driver and have questions about what qualifies as a deduction. Maybe you want an expert to walk you through the process since most of your income last year came from freelance jobs. Or maybe you'd like to hand the whole tax filing process off to an expert while you perfect your banana bread recipe. Whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let an expert do the filing for you, TurboTax Live experts are here to help, giving you the confidence to know that your one-of-a-kind, uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. I also need to tell you guys that one of the best ways to get your daily exercises is with Echelon. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. And I know a lot of us still have our resolutions intact and it's not too late to get on board with the resolutions again and Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines and their Echelon Stride Smart treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort of home. The world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. All you have to do is go to echelonfit.com slash locked on. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit.com slash locked on. So to get back into Joe Lombardi and what he had to say at his first press conference with the team, and obviously press conferences only mean so much, and I can't make that any more clear, you know. But this does give us, you know, a chance to look at some of these things and kind of extrapolate at least little details of what we, you know, could come to expect when the Chargers offense finally takes the field for the first time with Brandon Staley as the head coach and Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator. But one of the other things that he talked about, John, was switching up the tempo more offensively, getting the ball going, getting the no huddle going, and having you know different tempos. He did say that he wanted to change things up so it's not going to be all one way or the other, but I just know that that's something you know we were screaming for at times last year, especially for someone like Justin Herbert, who comes from a no huddle offense. And he talked about you know wanting to take some of those things that he did in college and last year to get a base of comfort for Justin Herbert. But also switching things up, getting things moving a little bit more. I feel like there's so many times last year we thought that that could help the offense, really, and we just never saw it enough from the coaches they had last year. Yeah, going up tempo and have like a, maybe a no huddle offense or just mo- getting a little bit more into the groove. So even if you huddle up, but you hurry up and get into the formation and run the play real quick, anything like that gets the defense on their heels, gets them worn out, prevents them from making substitutions really fast so they don't get to always get into their packages they want. It really gives you the upper hand. We really thought we should have seen more, of that, especially when Phillip Rivers was around. That when we've seen the no huddle offense a few times with Rivers in, it worked really well. And but they would never consistently do it, and we kept asking for it. We kept wanting to see it. Sometimes we'd have like when we do our keys to to success, we would say we should run some no huddle in this this week because it will work, and we would still never see it. So the, to hear that they want to use more tempo in this offense makes me believe that we're probably going to see a lot more no-huddle offense, which means we're going to have a lot more of an upper hand when it comes to controlling the game. All you have to do is just keep the ball moving. If you're running a no-huddle but you're going three and out, then it doesn't really make a difference. But it sounds like Staley has an idea of what he wants to do. Like Lombardi said, they don't have the plays ready yet because they need to sit down and go over those. But as long as you have an idea of what you want to do, I feel like they would be able to keep the drive going and keep defenses on their heels. 
Right. I just like the ability to be able to switch things up. I mean, just to be able to change the pace when, you know, the defense or the the other team has the upper hand, when you just want to be able to just go and just move down the field. If they're playing something, they're stopping you. You have the ability to switch things up, go no huddle, go quick tempo or go slow down tempo just to be able to do those things. There's things like you said, John, we've been clamoring for. It's nice to hear that they want to incorporate that. Absolutely. I mean, you definitely want that. And I think it would have been disingenuous for him to say, yeah, like I totally buy into the vision. Like, obviously, there's a ton of things they haven't even got to talk about at this point. So I did think that was interesting. And I thought those were all things that you definitely want to hear coming from the frustrations that we had last year. But another thing he talked about was just how he used players. And somebody asked him who the Taysom Hill on the Chargers was going to be. And he said he doesn't know if there's another Taysom Hill alive. But the other thing he talked about, too, was Austin Eckler and just comparing him to guys like Alma Kamara, Darren Sproles. Reggie Bush, and I think all of those things kind of just show you the ability to find playmakers, give them the ball in space, and know how to use your weapons from for a team with Austin Eckler, even trying to find a way to use a guy like Joe Reed. I think that's so important, David. So it did, you know, it was nice and kind of enlightening just to think about, hey, you know, this guy has a ton of experience of seeing how to make it work with guys who just need the ball in their hands, and we could be seeing a lot more of that. We know how dynamic Austin Eckler is. Just get the ball in his hands and watch him work, whether that's running, whether that's catching the football. He can do it all. And, yes, I would love to see them scheme some plays for Joe Reed. Just get these guys out in space and let them be dynamic. That's what they do. They just We didn't see enough of it. I'm hoping we will see more with Mr. Lombardi. Yeah, and he has to live up to it. I mean, everyone can say, hey, we want to get the ball in our playmaker's hands, and it's another thing to make it happen, especially when the other team knows what you want to do in that regard. Fortunately, he has a few different guys who other teams have to worry about because it's hard to you know stop Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and all of the guys and Justin Herbert. So it's easier said than done, but it's definitely something we've seen that New Orleans offense do very well in the past. But another thing that he didn't really open up about, but something I thought was very interesting was just him talking about the offensive line. He said he hadn't had a time to really evaluate what the offensive line did for the Chargers last season. But he did say that, you know, sacks aren't always on the offensive line. So it's getting, you know, the wide receivers doing the right thing, the quarterback doing the right thing, the running back blocking the right way, and a lot of of those things. But the other things he talked about, John, was just there's ways to help out your offensive line. Talked about how the fact that they did with Drew Brees, that he's had him getting the ball out super quickly. There's also things he said that you can do with your scheme to help the offensive line. And that's kind of what we were clamoring about. It's like, yes, you can have a bad offensive line and still do certain things well, but... You have to know you have a bad offensive line and find ways around that to help those guys out. Well, yeah, like when they mentioned getting the ball out quick, I mean, Joey Bosa had a hard time sacking Tom Brady in the 2018 playoffs. And why was that? Because Brady got the ball out quick. Bosa even said it. He goes, man, stop getting the ball out quick, Tom. I mean, Brady's like, stop getting in here so fast. Like, it works. And what that also does is it keeps linebackers on their heels. They have to sit back. you, You might even just do a delayed handoff where the quarterback's looking like he's going to throw, then two seconds later he's handing the ball off. Stuff like that keeps the linebackers frozen because you've been getting the ball out so quick, and now there's running lanes in a bad offensive line. Just scheming things and using timing can make an offensive line look better than what they really are. Unless you have a great offensive line, which allows you to just control the game, you can just run five yards whenever you want to and have a seven-second pocket, whatever. Those things are good, but... when you have what the Chargers have, you have to have schemes and you need to really know what you're doing with those schemes, whether it's Keenan Allen's quick slant and then using that to get a deep pass, whatever. You have to have that scheme. 
Yeah, exactly. And those things really can help bad offensive lines. I mean, Kansas City is going to be missing most of their entire starting offensive line going into the Super Bowl. And you can pretty much bet that Andy Reid is still going to have a game plan to help out Patrick Mahomes, to help out that offensive line, to try to keep the offense going. So it can be done. And obviously they need much improvement in that area. But at the same time, there are some ways to try to maximize the talent that you do have there. And that's what you have to hope someone, you know, is going to be able to do with the Chargers who repeatedly have bad offensive lines. But the other thing he did talk about was his aggressiveness and going forward on fourth down. And he said that, you know, when Sean Payton would ask, hey, should we go forward on fourth down? The answer was almost always yes, that he was piping in through the headset. And that's something that fans are definitely going to want to hear. But I thought the moment of reflection that was just him basically saying like I think the data shows at this point that us as NFL coaches don't go for it enough on fourth down and I think there's been such a swing in the NFL in that regards where even if it's fourth and one from the 34 yard line your own 34 yard line it's still a better chance for you to win the game most times going for it there instead of punting it back because if you only need one yard to do something in this specific scenario like Go get it. Trust your offense instead of punting and getting rid of a possession. So I do think the NFL is moving in that direction with coaches being more aggressive, especially the ones who, you know, follow things very analytically. And I do think that this Chargers coaching staff has that at the forefront of their minds. And I do think we will see a more aggressive team. But as he said, you know, Brandon Staley is going to take the heat if they go for it and don't get it. So it's a lot different once you get in the game and you know that decision could come back and blow up in your face. So we'll have to see them kind of put their money where their mouth is at that point. But we do have one more segment to get into. We're going to get into the one-year anniversary of the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and give some really cool insights from the Projecting the Screen podcast with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko coming up right after this and me and John also getting into, you know, just what Kobe meant to us as well. So we're going to get into all of that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked on Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. It's the one place that has you covered and the one place that we trust. And there's one more big weekend of football, guys. And the Super Bowl is just really not the same. If you're not betting on it, I've been betting on it now for a few years. And when you're looking at... The prop bets of, you know, how long is the national anthem going to be? What color is the Gatorade that's getting poured on the winning coach? So many fun prop bets to choose from with betonline.ag. And right now, we will even give you guys some free money to play with Super Bowl weekend. All you have to do is go to betonline.ag, sign up for a free account, and use the promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag. And don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, for your 50% welcome bonus. All right, we're going to get into the tribute for Kobe Bryant, a guy that was near and dear to our hearts. Obviously, we are a Los Angeles Chargers podcast, so we did think it'd be fitting to pay a tribute just because of what Kobe Bryant meant to us personally. And obviously, the Rejecting the Screen podcast did a really good job with it. There's some untold stories in there about Kobe's work ethic and why some other coaches passed on him during his draft class, coming from the actual coaches who passed on him. So, so much good stuff there but John obviously you're a lifelong Lakers fan you're a huge Lakers fan just as you're a huge Chargers fan and I just want to know on this day of reflection the one-year anniversary of Kobe's tragic death what he meant to you and why you know you cared so much about him well a lot of people that know me know the story of how LT really like saved my life basically by being my role model but people don't know is the story of how like the next year after LT in 2005 I got really bored during the um, off season, and I was like, let's try this basketball thing out. And I, I watched a couple of games. I watched, like, the Mavericks and someone else. 
And then the next game was Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. And I'm watching this Kobe guy. I'm like, oh, my God. What is this guy on? Like, the other game was nothing compared to this guy. And I just had to keep watching. And the more I watched him, the more I wanted to be like him. And so I went out to go play basketball, and I couldn't hit a shot to save my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sitting there missing every single shot. I remember during PE one time in high school, I couldn't hit a single shot. And one shot, I just throw up, and it bounced. I'm on the uh, corner. I, I shoot a corner three, and it literally backboard somehow like just slides off the backboard and in and everyone's clapping for me and I'm like okay this is embarrassing and so I saw a documentary like two weeks later after that about how Kobe just every time after the practice is over he's still in the gym shooting threes he'd shoot like 50 threes from each part of the three-point line and I'm like oh my god this guy was obsessed I gotta go try this and for like a, I want to say that for like a month, I went and I did about twenty threes from each part. I didn't have I didn't do fifty because I was nowhere close to athletic enough to do it. And next thing I know, I'm like the best player at the basketball courts, and uh, and I learned from that. I learned I got to work hard at everything I do in life. And ever since then, I've had this strong work ethic, and nothing has stopped me. And I learned about the Mamba mentality: only thing that can stop you is you. And I've been really successful in life since. So as much as LT turned my life around and made me want to be a better person, Kobe is the reason why I have the work ethic I have to not only be a better person, but to be a better worker, to be successful, not be someone that's homeless and on the streets, that I have a job that I work hard for, if it's for minimum wage. It's all because of Kobe. And it was such a devastating moment. And I think Kobe was such a great athlete, obviously, but the Mamba mentality, the the work ethic, even just the... I'm not going to be your friend because I'm going to come out here and kick your ass. Like holding his teammates responsible, like that all those things were so transcendent and like him as an icon, like he transcended borders. Like he was an international superstar. I mean, growing up every time I took a shot of every, anything, like whether it was a fadeaway to win the pickup basketball, you know, game Kobe. at the local park, whatever the case was, if I'm just throwing away some trash, like I'm saying Kobe as I shoot that shot and it was just And I'm a Lakers fan too, but that was something that was everyone, whether you're a Laker fan or not, just it's hard to embody what he meant to us, you know, as an athlete, but just also as a guy where you can look at that work ethic and it gives you something to strive for. And there just was only one of him. Like there's so many great athletes, there's better champions, there's better winners. There was no other, you know, person that was the exact same as Kobe Bryant. He was just a different type of breed and you just had to respect his game even if you hated him you he he made you respect him and I just think that there's so much you can learn from Kobe's work ethic and just the way he kind of looked at things I wouldn't be telling Justin Herbert hey don't pass the ball but Kobe uh, truly an icon someone that's special to me and just someone that really shaped me as a sports fan as a you know a sports journalist now as I get older I mean he just meant so much to the basketball world and just the entire world it seemed like so definitely worth reflecting on on a day like this to just talk about the absolute greatness and just the freakish ways that Kobe Bryant went around his life and just he was never going to lose at anything so I hope you guys enjoy this I know it's not going to be for everyone like I said but just to take a moment to reflect on one of the all-time greats in any sport I definitely think is worth it so I hope you guys enjoy this and getting these stories now from head coaches that passed on Kobe Bryant because they were scared he only was going to play for the Lakers and much more about his crazy work ethic coming up right now. This is Adam Stanko from the Rejecting the Screen podcast. It's unfathomable to think that a year has passed since that you'll never forget where you were moment when we all found out Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and seven others died tragically in a helicopter crash. Everyone associated with the NBA has a Kobe story, 
because he meant so much to so many of us. Our way to honor Kobe was to compile some of our favorite stories from interviews my co-host Noah Kozlov and I conducted with teammates, opponents, coaches, and writers who had something to say about the man who famously wore number 8 and number 24. We put together all of those stories, many of which you've never heard before, on a two-part podcast on Rejecting the Screen, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're about to play an excerpt from Part 1, which drops on Tuesday, January 26th, with Part 2 coming on January 28th. Subscribe to the pod today so you can listen to both episodes as soon as they're released. We pick up the story as Kobe was ranked as the top prep player in the nation, and his status as a local legend was exploding. There were even rumors of the Lower Marion High School prodigy practicing with the Sixers and dominating the Sixers star wing Jerry Stackhouse in games of one-on-one. Rex Walters was on the Sixers in 96 and told us how he remembered it. Kobe did come to practices or he would come afterwards and come work out at St. Joe's because me not knowing who Kobe was, like you know, once again, I, I didn't follow high school basketball. I was an NBA player. I wasn't into that. I'm sitting there. I'm, 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 I'm leaving to go uh, home. I'm, I'm kind of straightening it up in the locker room and, and Kobe sure enough walks in. And I'm like just making conversation with this kid. I'm like, hey, you know, uh, what you doing here? He's like, yeah, I'm going to go work out. And I'm like, oh, you're a pretty good player? Like, this guy had to be looking at me like, what, what are you, some kind of idiot or something? Because, you know, and then I'm like, well, you know, what schools you're looking at? He's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to Kansas. I'm talking to Carolina. He's like, but there's one other thing I'm thinking about. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, well, hey, you know, Dean Smith was a great coach for Michael Jordan. You know, you should think about Carolina. Obviously, Coach Williams is my coach, great coach. You should think about those schools, trying to, trying to help out my guy. Uh, you know, next next thing you know, next preseason game, this guy's freaking like yelling over to his point guard, Nick Van Exel, like, hey, you know, I'm guarding. I'm like, I got a mouse over here. I got a mouse. I'm like, man, that's, that's a little disrespectful. I tried to help you, my man, and, and, and you're calling mouse in the house on me. So obviously he had to be thinking to himself, what is this guy talking about? So back to Kobe as the nation's top high school player and those rumors we are hearing of Kobe regularly beating Stackhouse one-on-one. We talked to Jeff Perlman, who wrote the incredible book, Three Ring Circus, Kobe, Shaq, Phil, and the crazy years of the Laker dynasty. He said that story was all fabricated. It's crap. Like, it's actually crap. It's just total BS. And um, it's funny because I basically reached out to, because you hear all these stories, right? You hear all these stories about Kobe and he's he's with the Sixers and he's lighting them up and blah, blah, blah. And he was definitely a, a great player and definitely showed his skills. And the guys were like, yeah, this guy's going to be something. But um, I reached out to Stackhouse via Twitter. I profiled Stackhouse for the Wall Street Journal years ago. And I just reached out to him. Hmm. I don't have a tweet in front of me, but he wrote like, <laughs> I'm sure like you, you, this is the first thing I think of when people say, well, so-and-so regret having spoken about Kobe. Like he basically said, I've never heard Kobe say they were true, but I've also never heard him say they were false. So F him. Um, <laughs> and like the thing that I, I think is really cool about Kobe and the, uh, and the Sixers workouts, he did not dominate Jerry Stackhouse, pure BS, but he took it to those guys. Um, imagine being, I remember I ran college, I ran uh, cross country at university of Delaware. And I remember my first year freshman, freshman year, I went out to run with the rest of the team and they're all seniors and these guys are like all state and all county and all these great runners. And I was terrified. Like I was absolutely terrified. I just wanted to hang with them. I was terrified. I was scared. I was just praying I'd be able to do it. 
this guy's running with the Philadelphia 76ers as a high school kid and like holding his own and doing it. Like that's insane. And then the other thing when he was in high school that I really like is he would work out. I got to remember the specifics. He would, I'm going to actually reread the book before it comes out. So I, you know, um, which is sad that you have to do, but you do have to do is he, um, he would work out and he drove from one workout to another workout place in the summer and made sure the heat in his car would be at full blast as he was driving just to build up his endurance. So like, I think he worked out at a track. It was like a 90 degree day outside in Philly, very humid, hot, gets in the car, blasts the heat all the way, drives to the other workout. Like he did little things like that that were just absolutely insane all the time. It's 1996 and you're Kobe Bryant. You have an unparalleled level of self-confidence. You've proven to yourself that you can run with the Sixers. And just a year prior, you watched as another high schooler, Kevin Garnett, got selected fifth overall in the 95 draft. So what does Kobe do? He becomes the first guard ever to skip college and enter the draft. And by the way, he was just 17 at the time. 17 years old. Kobe, of course, gets selected 13th overall by the Charlotte Hornets, who immediately trade him to the Lakers for Vladi. Coming into that draft, everyone expected him to end up in L.A., and we talked to a couple of people on the pod who were with teams in that year's lottery. First up, former Vancouver Grizzlies coach and GM Stu Jackson. The Grizzlies had the number three pick and ended up taking Sharif Abdul-Rahim. But we straight up asked Stu, why didn't the Grizz take Kobe Bryant? You know, he, he was a high school player. We were a very young franchise. And, you know, uh, I, I think to draft a high school player at that point in our development as a franchise would have really uh, been going out on a limb, not having this player proven himself against, you know, a higher level of competition. Although I will tell you, you know, Kobe was extremely talented. But the other aspect of Kobe was, He was not going to any franchise other than the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, he got drafted by a different franchise, but that quickly turned around and he Mm -hmm. ended up in Los Angeles. And everyone in the draft knew that at that point. So we didn't think that was an option for Kobe Bryant coming to a new country or to to Vancouver uh, to play basketball. So he was sort of off the board. Leaving the country to play might not have been in Kobe's plans, but would he have played for the Dallas Mavericks, who had the ninth overall pick? Remember at the time, the Mavs had Jason Kidd running the point, and later in their careers, Kobe tried desperately to get the Lakers to trade for Kidd. Well, former Nets head coach Butch Beard was an assistant with the Mavericks in 96, and he told us that he thinks they had a shot at getting the high school sensation to come to Dallas. Here's the best story of all, and a true story as well. I was an assistant coach with Jim Clemens and also uh, uh, at the Dallas <laughs> Mavs. We're in the draft, and I asked, I asked the people who, you know, run the draft, I mean, all our uh, scouts, I said, who's the best guy in the draft? They said, Kobe Bryant. He's a high school kid, but he's not, you know, he's not, uh, you know, we, we, we don't know. We think he's going to be the best. And they didn't know whether at that particular time they were going to break up three J's, okay? So I made a comment to them. I said, 
why don't we bring him in and try him out? I know that the word was out there that he only wanted to go to L.A. I said, but I think he would want to play with Jason and Jimmy if you all think that he's going to be the best player in the draft. We were afraid to do that. We ended up drafting Samaki Walker. I'll never forget, I was running around all over, you know, working out Eric Dampier and some other players and, you know. But I said, man, that's what we should have done. I sat there, even those five minutes before we drafted, I said, we should draft this kid. Why were they afraid to even, not even to bring him in? Because the word had gotten out there that he wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't going to work out for other teams Mm -hmm. and things like that. I said, I think he would come, I think he would come and at least give us a, you know, a look-see. I really do. You can hear the rest of our Kobe Stories special on Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to the podcast today and hear part one on Tuesday, January 26th and part two on January 28th. It's all part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that there at the end. We really appreciate those guys over there at Rejecting the Screen Podcast for putting that together. I definitely loved it. You can get more of it. You can get the rest of you know both parts of it by subscribing subscribing to Rejecting the Screen Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. But that's going to do it for us today. We will be back with you guys tomorrow. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. Make sure to like the Facebook page at Locked On Chargers as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there and make sure to rate and review. We would really appreciate that. If you guys want to get on the next voicemail show, the number is 323-524-7924. We try to get every Chargers voicemail on the show. I will be going to the Senior Bowl this weekend. We will be doing some Senior Bowl talk this week. And also tomorrow we have Ronaldo Hill having his introductory press conference. So I'm sure we'll get some stuff to talk about from that. But until then, guys, take it easy and go Bolts.